Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that goodness and mercy follows us. We thank you, you're an awesome God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. I want to start a new series today. Um, we're doing a series over the course of this first term uh, called Get Your Hopes Up and uh, preaching out of Isaiah 54. But um, I've finished that series now. And so I want to start a new series, which I'm pretty excited about doing. And so it's actually a series going to be based on the letter of Philippians. And so all our connect groups, uh, we'll be doing studies on Philippians and that sort of thing. And I want to start that series uh, today. So with that in mind, I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 1, uh, reading verses 1 to 6. Philippians 1, 1 to 6 says this. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The letter of Philippians was actually known as the letter of joy. And so what that means is that it's actually a positive, faith-filled, uplifting letter. The Apostle Paul actually had a strong relationship with the Philippians, and so it's very personal and it's very encouraging. But the most powerful thing for me about this entire letter is actually where Paul was when he wrote it. Paul was in prison, and he was actually confined. He was quarantined, if you will. He wasn't allowed out. And yet he wrote this incredibly positive, faith-filled, uplifting attitude. What that tells me was that even though he was going through a troubled time and a difficult time, he himself wasn't allowing that to come on the inside and affect him. That he was going through this difficult season and it was unfair. He was unfairly imprisoned. He hadn't done anything wrong. He was going through this difficult season and yet in the midst of that difficult season, he still maintained a positive, encouraging faith-filled, life-giving attitude. And so the title of my series is actually called Triumph Through Tough Times. Because who knows that right now there's a lot of people going through a difficult time and a difficult season. And as Christians, we can go through those things and you still come through it and come out of it triumphantly. And I think the best person to get lessons from is actually the Apostle Paul from the letter of Philippians. And so today I want to talk to you about a few things you can do even in the midst of confinement. Here is the Apostle Paul, he is completely confined. He is, he is there in prison and with very little contact with the outside world. And yet he would, was able to still do a number of things. He didn't, have that, he didn't use that season as a time to sit on his hands and do nothing. There were still some things he could do in the midst of that confinement. In the same way for those of you that are watching right now, there are some things maybe right now you can't do that you could do before that maybe you feel like you've been confined and quarantined. I want to let you know that even in the midst of that, there are still some things you can do right now in the midst of your circumstance. So let's have a look at the Apostle Paul and see what he was able to do in the midst of that tough time. The first thing was this. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, he writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. The first thing you can do in the midst of a tough time is still give thanksgiving to God. I would have thought that he would have had every right to be complaining the entire time. I would have thought if there was one person who had every right to complain and to moan, it would have been the Apostle Paul. 
But he here says that I give thanksgiving to God in the midst of my circumstance. I want to let you know that we give, give thanksgiving not because of things that aren't working in our life. We give thanksgiving to God for the things he is doing. Because I'm here to let you know that even in the midst of your circumstance right now, God is still doing great things in your life. Here he said, I can give thanksgiving for you. And if you look through the rest of that passage of Philippians, he's actually still giving thanksgiving to God for a number of other things. Thanksgiving is an important discipline for us to have right now. Because thanksgiving is one of the keys that helps us to actually access the presence of God and enter into his presence. And in his presence is fullness of joy. The scripture tells us, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And so his gates is where his presence is, and in his presence is fullness of joy. So one of the things that's important for us to do right now is not to be consumed by all the difficulties that surround us, but to actually put our eyes on the things that God is doing, because I promise you he's doing something in your life. This is a time right now to not focus on the things that aren't working, but to actually put our eyes on him and to start counting our blessings. A number of years ago, a great friend of mine who was a pastor, he actually had a very difficult uh, Sunday. He was really depressed, actually. And so the next day, in the, on the Monday, he went and he went praying. And he went down to the local boat ramp near where he lived on the river. And he started praying to God. But as he was praying to God, he was actually praying, and he was actually um, really more moaning and complaining. And so he's going around, and he's uh, walking around the boat ramp, and he says, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why are these things happening? I didn't do anything to deserve this. The whole time he was moaning and complaining. As he was doing that, he started, uh, he, as he was praying, he felt God say to him, why don't you thank me? And he said, for what? And he said, why can't you find things to thank me for? And so he was so discouraged. I don't know if you've ever been there. You get so discouraged and so depressed that you can't verbalize it. You have to start writing it down. And so he got a pen and paper and he started writing down things he could thank God for. He said, Lord, I thank you that I'm saved and I'm a Christian. That's a pretty good start. Even on your worst day, you're still winning. You know what I'm saying? And then he said, Lord, I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, even if some people don't want to listen to me. And he started doing that. And then all of a sudden, he started seeing all the things he could be thankful for. He took his eyes off the things that weren't going right in his life and he started putting his eyes on the things that God was doing. Before he knew it, that heaviness, that discouragement, that depression lifted off him and he put that notepad down and he started walking around praising God and thanking God for all that he was doing in his life. What had changed in his life? Nothing, but he decided to be thankful. Even where you are right now, surrounded by difficulties and tough times, I want you to take a moment to count your blessings. Start thanking God for the things he has done in your life right now. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18, it says, be joyful. Joyful always, pray without ceasing. In all things give thanks. He doesn't say for all things give thanks. He says in all things give thanks. What that means is this, no matter what you're going through, there's always something you can thank God for. Why did you take a moment over the next few weeks to daily count your blessings, start thanking God for the things that he's done? And I'm here to let you know that life, joy and strength will come on the inside of you and regardless of what's happening around you, you'll be filled with the faith, life and strength that you need to continue on in the things that God has for your life. The second thing that he does is this and the second thing that we can do says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine. Always in every prayer of mine. So interestingly enough, 
He's not only is he giving thanks, but he's also praying. When you go through a tough time, one of the most important things you can do is actually pray. And when you pray, it actually has two effects. The first thing it does, it helps relieve you of stress. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And so what that means is, and all scripture also says, cast your cares onto him because he cares for you. So when you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're stressed, take the time to actually pray about those things, transfer the burden of them, and actually put them onto the Lord. Another reason why prayer works is because when we pray, God answers our prayer. Jesus actually says, ask and you will receive that your joy will be full. So when we ask, we receive and then our joy will be full. We get filled with joy from answers to prayer. So when you pray at this time, this is an important time to just be praying continuously. Even as a church, we're having online prayer meetings every Thursday night. We're replaying them every night. And we believe that by prayer, we can continue to see God have his people live in faith and live in joy. But not only that, his people can actually, uh, can actually see breakthroughs and miracles come to pass in their lives. I'm believing that as we pray, we're going to see the window of this pandemic to start shutting and get close. It doesn't matter what the experts say. We serve a prayer answering God, and when we pray to him, we're going to see that window uh, shut down. Also, people who are discouraged, who are feeling isolated, as you pray, you can alleviate your burdens and your pressure in that time. One of the keys that helped the Apostle Paul to actually live in victory in the midst of this time was the fact that he was willing to pray. Prayer is one of the things that you can do right now. You can do it every day. In fact, this is a great opportunity for all of us to deepen our prayer life, put our roots down deep in him and you will find that God will use this season to make you stronger, more vital, more full of faith and victory than you've ever been before. We can imitate the Apostle Paul and pray. The third thing that he does is this. He says in verse four, 3 and 4, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy. The third thing that you can actually have at this time is actually you can be filled with joy. That as a Christian, that we can have joy in spite of our circumstances. In fact, I think that's one of the major differences between us and the world. That literally, regardless of circumstances, as a Christian, we can be filled with joy. Here is the Apostle Paul, and he's actually here in the midst of this difficult time and circumstance. He's suffering. It's unjustified. It's not his fault. And yet in the midst of that, he is still saying that he can have joy. Your joy is not dependent upon your circumstances. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 9 that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. What that means is this, that you can have joy regardless of what's happening all around you. This will be one of the greatest witnesses and testimonies to people in your world that in spite of some of the difficulties that others might be facing, you could be facing some of those as well, but you can be filled with joy in spite of those things. I know myself, we can actually lose our joy over good things. 
that sometimes if we have, uh, if we're believing for something to come to pass in our life. A number of years ago, uh, when I was a youth pastor in North Queensland in Mackay, I was actually uh, walking, I was actually used to, you know, prayer walk all the time, and, and I was really believing for revival uh, in Mackay. And so every day I'd be praying intensely, and I'm praying for revival, and, uh, and you know, and I'm, and I'm doing my revival prayer, you know. Uh, Lord, you've got to give me revival! Give me revival! I'd walk along and I'd be touching letterboxes and give me revival. Revival in this house. Give me revival. I'd even walk around schools at night, which I now know is weird. And, I would, and I'd pray, Lord, you've got to give me this school. You've got to give me revival. But then I just started, it almost became like an idol to me, you know. God, you've got to give me revival. Give me revival. Give me revival or I die. I'll never be happy until you give me revival. And I started being completely depressed because I was acting like unless this thing happens, I'll never be happy. I started being difficult to live with. I wasn't nice to live with. I was miserable at home. One day I was walking around doing my revival prayer. Lord, you got to give me revival. Give me revival. And as I did, as clear as anything, I felt God speak to me in my heart. I'm praying my revival prayer. God, give me revival. And I felt God say, what if I don't? And when he said that, I thought, oh, oh I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and then I felt God say to me, are you still going to be a misery guts to live with? You know what? You can be happy and joyful until you get your breakthrough. Paul didn't say, I'm not going to be happy till I get out of prison. In the midst of prison, he still said, I'm full of joy. And joy can be your portion. You can have joy right now. Even if your circumstances don't change for the next 24 hours, you can be filled with life, joy, and strength to be the victorious Christian that God has called you to be. The fourth thing that you can actually have, he says in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 1, he said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The fourth thing that you can have is actually fellowship. Fellowship. Now, Paul was in prison. He's in prison, and yet he's actually saying that you can have fellowship. I would have thought if there's somebody who would have thought they can't have any fellowship, it's the guy in prison, the guy who lives a long way away from his friends. In a day and age where there wasn't any social media, where there wasn't any internet, in the day and age where the only way they can get any kind of correspondence would be for someone to travel days at a time to actually come and give it to him. And yet he was actually saying that in the midst of where he was, he was still having fellowship. I remember reading that this week, and I really felt God speak to me that there's some people you're concerned and worried in our church because we're not doing the, the large corporate gatherings that we were having before. But I'm here to let you know that we can still have fellowship. We're just doing it differently. That right now you can be meeting in a connect group around our city. We've got groups all over the place and, and obviously uh, complying with all the uh, legal requirements and that sort of thing, but you can still have fellowship that way. Stay connected in what we're doing here is the life of our church. Get online and with all that we are doing. We're doing some live streaming. We'll be putting some other things out. Pastors are all about the place, contacting, connecting with our people, praying with them that just because we don't have the public gathering doesn't mean that we can't have fellowship. We're just actually doing it differently. The Apostle Paul couldn't go to church in that time. The Apostle Paul was actually in a time and in a season of his life where he was actually confined. 
And yet he still found through correspondence, through writing these letters, having these people come and give letters to him, that gave him the sustenance, the joy and the strength and the life that he needed to continue on. Make no mistake that as a Christian, in a difficult time, even feeling isolated, there are ways and means for us to continue on in fellowship. And the last thing that he actually says is this. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Being confident of this thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he writes, this is the introduction to the letter. This is actually how he starts it. And for six verses, he is actually not talking about his circumstances. His focus isn't on him. This absolutely amazes me. If it was me and I was actually in prison unjustly and I got a letter out, it would probably start like this. If you happen to find this letter, could you please get me out of here? It's not fair. I don't deserve to be here. I'm suffering because I'm a Christian. This is unjust. Get me out of here. He doesn't even mention it in the first chapter. The first thing he does is he encourages and he lifts up the people that he is writing to. The last thing that you could do in the midst of this tough time is that you can actually encourage others. You know, the most natural thing to do right now is to focus on my circumstance, to focus on some of the difficulties and the obstacles that I've got to face right now. But the Apostle Paul learnt a secret in his confinement. Don't forever spend your time focusing on the things that aren't going well for you. Lift up your eyes and look for the opportunities to encourage other people. Right now, I think, is a brilliant opportunity for our church a brilliant opportunity for the people in our church to actually be an encouragement to others. Right now, people are really open. They're suffering. Some people are scared, worried and confused. But we can use this as an opportunity to encourage other people and to speak life into them. I believe that even right now, people will be more open to the gospel than ever before because things have changed in their life, things they've put their security in, things they've put their faith in, things that, they've actually, uh, things that uh, they had built around them are starting to crumble. And right now, that the people that are going to be open to the gospel and feeling discouraged, I'm here to let you know that one of the greatest things that we can do is be like the Apostle Paul, that even in the midst of what we're going through, lift up our eyes on the people that God brings across our path. Just the other day, we were at a local cafe here on the Gold Coast and we're talking to them about how they feel like the things, uh, everything that's happening is going to affect them economically. It's amazing how people open up their hearts to you when you're willing to do that. It's amazing how it's a testimony to others when you actually do that as well. That right now, that wherever you are, that we can be an encouragement to others. You may not even physically be able to do that. But you know what? You can write letters You can get online and post to people, whatever it is. Be a source of encouragement in the midst of this time. You know, our encouragement is not dependent on us doing well. You know, you might, every single one of us right now will have things that we have to deal with and sort out. But you don't have to have everything go perfectly in your life before you're a source of encouragement to other people. We can all be a source of encouragement to others even in the midst of what we're going through. If the Apostle Paul right now If the Apostle Paul was able to encourage people from the midst of prison, how much more can we be a source of encouragement to others? For some people now that God's going to use you like never before. 
that you've always wanted God to use you and to, and, and, to, and to share the gospel with other people and to minister to others, I'm here to let you know that right now is probably the greatest opportunity that you're ever going to get. That right now you're going to have the opportunity to share your faith with others and to share with them the hope that you have. You might be in the very same situation that they are, but you'll be amazed. Back in 2011, my wife and I and my kids, uh, we got flooded in the Brisbane floods of 2011. At that time, your life is completely turned upside down and we lost our house for a season and there was a whole lot of things that we had to do in the midst of crisis. And I'll be honest with you, the greatest temptation at that time was to not worry about anyone else. The greatest temptation at that time was just to focus on what I had to deal with and had to handle. I thank God that I'm married to a woman, Trisha, who is so other-minded. And so I remember one time that I came home and we were staying at a rental property and we were rebuilding, rebuilding our house. And, and at that time, people were, you know, and there, was, and there was all these different agencies that were trying to supply people who were flood victims with goods and that sort of thing. And I came home one day and in our garage, I saw three brand new washing machines. I said to Trish, I said, babe, why have you got three washing machines? We only need one. Why have you got three? You know, this isn't a time for us to take advantage of people's good nature. And she looked at me, she goes, it's not for us, stupid. She goes, one's for us, but we got two for other people in our street. Because what had been happening, while we're rebuilding our world, while we're rebuilding our house, Trisha's walking up and down the street asking people, what do you need? Is there anything we can help you with? Are there volunteers that you need? She was actually a flood victim. But even in the midst of that time, lifted her eyes to see how she's going to help others. And I want to encourage you right now. Some of you this week have got a real like punch in the guts about a couple of things, got some anxiety and stress. And it's only natural to bunker down and say, I'm just going to worry about me. I'm just going to get through this. Can I tell you that God's going to use you in this? That God's going to use you to be an encouragement to other people. That actually this is going to be a moment you're going to look back and see that God did some of the greatest things through your life in the midst of this tough time. The Bible does not say that we avoid tough times. The Bible says that all of us at some point go through a tough time. But that tough time doesn't have to get on the inside of you. And just like the Apostle Paul in his imprisonment, we can triumph through tough times. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for everybody who's listening and watching and those that are getting swamped by their circumstances. I just ask and pray that right now that your presence will fill them that your spirit will come on the inside them, that you fill them with the life and the joy and the strength that they need to be victorious and to continue on. I thank you, Lord, for the breakthroughs that are awaiting for them. I thank you for the protection that's awaiting them. But I thank you, Lord, that you're going to use every single person listening to be a source of blessing, a source of encouragement and a source of salvation others. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish with one more song as we normally do, just like we do at church. I want to encourage you to get online, stay connected, keep meeting in your connect groups right throughout the city. God bless you. And God's going to help you to triumph even if you're going through a tough time. God bless.